All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Man, welcome to Impact Life Church. We're so glad you're here. Man, isn't it good to be alive today? Yes, it is. Don't we serve a good God? Yes, we do. Before we just get on, I just want to say a big thank you to all the teams that are involved in making this church what it is, from the greeters all the way to the guys in the kitchen, to the kids workers downstairs, from the sound team, the sound the worship team. We want to thank you guys so much. Can we just give everybody a great big hand? Like, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Man, we're so glad. And they make what church really is. They make it an experience. And that's one of the things we want is not just church as usual. We want it to be an experience that you come here, you get lifted up, you meet God. But it doesn't just happen during the service. You meet God when you shake hands. And I know uh, we got some very friendly greeters, don't we? Yeah, I mean, if they're not friendly, you just let us know, all right? And we'll friendly them up a little bit. But uh, man, we're so glad that you're here. Man, and you know, not only that, but Jesus is glad that you're here. This is part of the word, you know, in Hebrews chapter 10, it says not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. Man, it's pleased. God is pleased when the, when his children come together to worship him and to learn from him. Amen. We're all in the same boat. So we're going to, we're going to eat from his word this morning. Are we not? Man, and we've got any wild hungry pigs in the house. For those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, I remember, <laughs> I better clarify that <laughs> just in case you think I called you a pig. Uh, a friend of mine in the States and he, uh, you know, we was at a service one day and, you know, you kind of, you get in those charismatic, you know, types of services and people, amen, woo, that's good, preach it. And you kind of get all excited and you hear these different things. Well, this guy told me he was in a meeting and he was preaching. And one guy, this is in Alabama, this guy stood up and said, let the wild hog eat. Now I have not heard anything more outstanding and profound than that statement right there. Has anybody else heard something different than that? I don't know. That kind of tops it. So this is what kind of services we're going for. It's let the wild hogs eat. And uh, wild hogs, meaning not we're just a bunch of pigs and we're dirty and, you know, mean we're hungry for the word of God. Because when you get hungry for God, guess what? You get fed. And Jesus said that blessed are those that are hunger and thirst for righteousness for what they shall be filled. So God will meet you at your hunger level. So if you just want a little teaspoon, guess what? You're going to get a teaspoon. If you want to, you know, a little bit more, you want a bowlful, he'll give you a bowlful. But if you want a mother load, man, he will fill you up. So I don't know about you, but I'm not interested in just a little teaspoon, Right. When I put sugar in my tea, I don't use a teaspoon. <laughs> go big or go home is what I know. So I'm going to do for the mother load. Anybody else with me on that, right? We want the full, okay. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm excited to be here this morning, and I'm sure you are too. So if you got your Bibles, I want you just to go with me to Romans chapter 3 for a moment. We're continuing our series that we've been working on for a few months now, just on grace and faith. And it is vital that we understand this because this is how the kingdom of God operates. This is how we have a relationship with God. It's by grace through faith. And we've been discussing this and we spend an ample amount of time talking about what grace is and the different kinds of grace that are there. And then we talked about the only way to experience this grace of God is how? Through faith. In order to access the grace of God, you've got to use your faith. And so this is what we've been talking about these past few, few past weeks. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't heard all these messages, well, I'm not going to do a lot of review, but if you haven't heard them, we have a podcast that you can download. I encourage you just to hear them again. Go onto our website, impactlife.ca, under messages, and you'll see all of those there. They're all available for you, so make sure you get the word in you. Hear what we have as a church family have been talking about, because this is what God has been talking to us about. And so if you're part of this church family, which everyone in this room is, we need to know what God is saying. And because what we're doing is not just me preparing a message, because this is what we do. God is coming to meet us right where we're at. So I encourage you, get the word in you. Hear it, understand it, grow in it, because we want to get rooted and established in this. Do we not? Yes. Everybody say roots. roots. All right, that's what we're going for. So in Romans chapter 3, and I want to just show you again real quickly, this is kind of what, where it all began for us. And the reason we're talking about this, because the righteous people, those that are declared righteous by God, and his name I know it means to be righteous, right standing with God, right? And this is again, the, this is how you grow up in your spiritual manhood, womanhood. This is how you grow up into it is that you are pierced with the revelation of righteousness. You got to know that you are in right standing before God, that you can stand before God as if you've never done a thing wrong. It's good to know about those things, but have you applied it to your life? Do you see yourself as if you've never done a thing wrong? That's how God sees you, but you need to start seeing yourself that way because this is how we, the just, we're supposed to live a certain way. If you can stand before God and say, I've never done a thing wrong, that's exact because of the blood of Jesus, you now live a different way than everybody else in the world. 
There's a new way of living. So I want to just show you again, Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. We know that. But in verse 24, it says, Yet God. Everybody say, Yet God. So don't just say, Oh yeah, we're all on, you know, we're not... We're not glorious enough. We all sin. We fall short of God's glorious standard. Yes, but God did something about that. Right? Don't just stay there and I'm, I'm not good enough. No, now God did something for you. It says, yet God with undeserved kindness declares. Everybody say declares. What does that mean? He shouts it. He makes a statement and he's not going to change it. God declares that we are righteous and he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right now with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life and shedding his blood. So how many of you believe that Jesus sacrificed his life for you and he shed his blood for you? How many of you that? All right. So now God, what does he do? He declares you what? All right. Say it like you mean it. He declares you how? Say it, I'm righteous. This is who I am. Right? This is who I am. This is who I be. Wherever I go, I go to Walmart. I go as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is how I live on this earth. I am right. Now God says, now he's not giving you a suggestion. He's actually commanding you and I. This is how we righteous people are to live. In Romans chapter 1, you're in Romans, just turn back a page. Romans 1 verse 17. But you see this in the Bible four different times. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, Romans chapter 1, 17, Galatians 3, 11, and Hebrews 10, 38 say the exact same thing. And it's this sentence right here at the bottom. The just shall live, how? By faith. Now, this is not a suggestion. This is not, you know, if you got time to, you know, understand what faith is. No, this is a command. If you are a child of the Most High God, you've been declared righteous by God, there is a new way you have to live. And it is How? Come on, say it again. How? By faith. This is who we are. We are faith people. Say it, I'm a faith person. Now, faith, as we said, is not a denomination. It isn't a movement that took place in the 80s. Faith now is the way that Christians are supposed to live. Right? This isn't for just our charismatic group. This is for every born-again child of God. This is how they're supposed to live. The just doesn't say, you know, that arm of Christianity or that denomination shall live by faith. It says the just. Anybody God declares righteous are supposed to live a particular way. How many are you thankful for that? Man, you're not stuck to just live by what you see. You can actually start living on God's way. Man, and I like that, and that's by faith, right? All right, glad we're excited about that. So when you hear the word living, think of your lifestyle. What does your lifestyle all include? It includes the way you think. So everybody say this, it's the way I think. So don't just think living by faith is just, okay, the, how I talk or how I act. Faith in, incorporates every aspect of your being. It includes your soul, your thinking. It includes the way you speak. It includes the way you act. Living by faith simply means this, is that you now are totally convinced that the Bible is true and you're going to live by it. So my question is, when are you going to start believing that? Do you believe it enough to actually do it? Because this is how God commands us to live. And I'll just give you another kind of way of saying it. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. In the New Living, it says, For we live, how? And not by? Can you see there are two very different ways of operating here? What's the first way of operating? By, by believing. Or other translations say, For we walk by faith and not by sight. So there is faith. And then what's the contrast to that? Is sight. Right? So I live by faith or I live by sight. I cannot do both. Right? Because we talked about this two weeks ago. Because what happens if you're trying to live by faith and you're walking by sight? What the result is you are a double-minded man and you are unstable in all of your ways. So if you're wondering, okay, you know, you're asking God, you're believing God for something. And James chapter 1 tells us, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of our generous God. And he will give to all men liberally. But when he asks, how is he supposed to ask? In faith. Knowing this, that if he wavers, he is unstable, just like the waves of the sea. They go up and down, up and down. And it says in the Bible, don't think that you are going to receive anything from the Lord. So this is right here. This, you have to make up your mind. This isn't just something you do once in a while. On Sunday, I'm a believer. And then the rest of the week, I'm going to live by sight. It doesn't work that way. Right? You have to make up your mind. And I encourage you. This is something that we do on a regular basis. And I've gone before the Lord and I said, Lord, I'm making another solid decision. I am going to live by what you say. 
This is how I'm going to live. It doesn't matter what happens out here. I'm going to go by what you said. Everybody say, go by what he said. This is how we're supposed to live. And this is how you and I make a good impact in this community. So instead of being, you know, swayed by what's going on all around us, we're going by what Jesus said in his word. This is what he said. I believe it. That's done. Let me give you an example. Acts chapter 27. Turn there. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to see it. <clears throat> and I'll show you this example from Paul. But, you know, even Paul tells us in Corinthians chapter 4, verse, uh, I think it's 18. He, the Holy Spirit through Paul encourages us that we are to fix our gaze on the unseen. We don't look at the things which are seen. Why don't we look at things that are seen? Why don't we look at the things that we can see? Come on, everybody. Why not? Why don't we focus on there? Because they are temporal, meaning they're subject to change. These things change out here. So what are we supposed to keep our eyes on? Things that we cannot see. His word. We can't always see. But we're supposed to keep our eyes on that. You have to be good at looking at the invisible. As believers, this is what walking by faith is. It's dealing with the unseen, right? So we have to get good at not using just these eyes, but you also got eyes right? here. You got to see it. Anybody ever see some things before? Now, I'm not talking these. I'm, I'm saying here. This is something we take. We are teaching our kids at a very early age. Boys, how do you hear God? How do you see God? And right away they go right here, right here. Because it's not, you're not going to find God out here. He's on the inside of us. So when he wants to show you something, he's going to show you where he lives. Where does he live? On the inside. So we have got to get our inside eyes opened. Right? You've got to see it. Don't be moved by what we see out here. We're going to be moved by what we see and believe on the inside. Right? So uh, in Acts chapter 27, this is Paul on his way to Rome. And uh, this is, you know, he's a prisoner here. And he's about to go and, you know, see Caesar. This is the whole plan that God had for him. He's a prisoner in this ship, and he's going to go off and see Caesar and declare the gospel. And uh, before he gets on this ship, Paul actually tells the whole crew, he says, you know what, I, I perceive that something bad is going to happen, that we're going to lose possibly the, you know, all the cargo, all the goods, and possibly, potentially, even our own lives, right? And so all of a sudden, they, ah, Paul, shut up, we're going to go anyway. So they left on this journey, and now we pick it up in verse 27, and it talks about this terrible storm. And if you look kind of do details, it was hurricane-like winds, and they're in the middle of the ocean, on the sea. So this terrible storm raged for many days, and at this time it had already been 14 days. Now we talked like, last night, but how many of you enjoy a good roller coaster? <laughs> a couple of whoops, all right. Now 14 days straight on that roller coaster. Ugh. I don't even, ugh. like it's everything and anything else I had left is coming out. This terrible storm, it raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. Now, what was this hope that was gone is their lives. That's it for us. We're not going to make it. No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called, this prisoner called the crew together and said, Men, you should have listened to me. Anybody enjoy that? Just saying that every once in a while. And if you're in a relationship, you just, you should have listened to me. Doesn't that feel good? That's what Paul's doing here. This guy had it right. You should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete you would have avoided all this damage and loss. <laughs> but he says, but take courage. You were stupid, but take courage. <laughs> Why? None of you will lose your lives even though the ship will go down. Now, how can he be so confident in saying that? How can he be so confident? Well, notice this. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and to whom I serve stood beside me and he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in His goodness, say His goodness, has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. Now notice this. So take courage. You say, take courage. Now notice these words. For I believe God. Everybody say that with me. I believe God. And then what? It will be just as He said. This is the living that you and I have to take on. It will be just as He told me. I believe God. How many of you believe God? Now notice this. They are now about two weeks in these hurricane-like winds. Just winds crashing. All this thing's going on. And in the middle of it. So just imagine this ship. Everybody just sway with me. Oh. Everybody gather around. But take your courage. The God whom I serve, He told me that everybody's going to make it. So take courage. Be strong. 
Why? I believe God. And this is what he's doing. It will be even as he said. Can you see this? And he's not drunk. He's just literally, the ship is moving all over the place. Can you see in the midst of the storm, what is he doing? I believe God. Say with me. I believe God. How come I believe him? It will be just as he said. I believe that. So in the middle of a hurricane, you can be all this and stand, I believe him. It will be just as he told me. This is the attitude. This is the victory that you and I need to be walking in. This is the attitude we got to partake of. So now I want you to go to 1 John chapter 5. Let's look here again for a moment. Oh, all that swaying got you dizzy, eh? <laughs> all right. <laughs> so 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. Man, I love these verses. This is, man, the Bible just speaks victory. Everything about it is just, <clears throat> no loser talk allowed. This is just, <clears throat> here it is right? Verse one, it says, everyone. Who's in everyone? Woo. Now notice this. Who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become what? A child of God. And everyone who loves the father. Now notice this. This is key for your life. We'll get into this at some point. Everyone who loves the father, guess what? You also love his children. <laughs> what does that mean? If you love God, you're also going to love his kids, right? No more squabbling. All right. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. You can't help when you fall in love with Jesus, you can't help but love people. That's the, that's the byproduct. You fall in love with God, guess what? He will give you the supernatural love to love people no matter what. Now, loving God. Now, notice this. Loving God doesn't just mean, oh, God, I, I lifted my hands in worship. It doesn't mean I just ran around the building. Oh, and I pray every day. No, loving God means keeping his commands. And again, don't think of the Ten Commandments. Loving God means I obey his word. I'm hungry for his word. What does your word say? That's what I'm going to do. That's what loving God actually is. And his commandments, his word, is not burdensome. Right? I mean, we believe that. My, his word is not a burden to me. I get to read the word. I get to obey his word. Right? Then verse 4. Are you ready? Every, say every, every child of God is defeated by this evil world. No! What does it say? Every child of God defeats this evil world and we now achieve this victory through our faith. Now verse 5, let me just read this. And who can, again, can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Go back to verse 4 for a moment. So now look at this here again. Who is it that overcomes this world? Every child of God. Now how many of you believe that Jesus is the Christ? What does that make you? It makes you a child of God. And just by believing you are a child of God, guess what? It makes you an overcomer. It makes you a victor over this evil world. But here's the thing. We have to learn how to win. you got to learn it. Just because you're a Christian does not make you all of a sudden, boom, I'm a champion now every single moment of my life. You have to learn to win. Just like God, He is a winner. God, that's who He is. And so how does He win? He uses this tool called faith. That's how He changes things. Now, aren't you glad that our God didn't just say, I got faith? But y'all, you're going to have to figure this out. He gave us His own faith. The same faith that created the universe, you got a measure of that when you got born again. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God gave you a measure of that faith. So that world overcoming faith, guess where it is? It's on the inside. I have it. Say, I got it. You are a possessor of it. And so that's why the Bible tells us every child of God defeats this evil world. Now, just because you are an overcomer does not mean you're overcoming. So you again have to learn how to become a winner. And this is what we want to talk about is this tool called faith. We have to be very good at using this tool, right? God gave you faith. He gave you this tool. He gave you this measure for you to grow it, for you to develop in it, for you to use it. Aren't you thankful that just because, you know, you got some things in your life that are not lining up according to God's will and his word, God doesn't say, oh, just hang in there. Just, you know, it's, it's okay. Just, you know, hang on there a little bit tighter because I, I like seeing you going through some hard stuff. It'll just make you stronger. God has never said that in His Word. He gave us faith to change it. Anytime, listen, you are not stuck. Say it, I'm not stuck. You don't have to be stuck where you're at. 
How long have I been here for so many years? Well, now it's time to get unstuck. And how do I do that? It's using the tool we call and God calls faith. So again, faith is not a denomination. Faith isn't just a message. Faith is the way that we live. And if you live this way, what's the result? You're going to start seeing victory in your life on a regular basis. That's God's will for you. He likes when his kids win. Anybody enjoy their kids losing? <laughs> I didn't think so. Even Jason, you five soccer, it's the worst when all of a sudden his team gets scored on. Well, Jace will fix that. I, I know, guarantee that. But God is interested in you winning. How many times? 99%? 100% of the time. Now, again, just about this, this faith. If we remain ignorant to faith and how it works, how it's developed, how to strengthen it, how to live by it, you cannot be an overcomer. Thank you for that thunderous applause. I was just <laughs> you're soaking in. It's just there's the truth bomb. The reality is if we do not know and understand how to properly use faith, the result is you cannot be an overcomer. Can you see this? Because a lot of times what we do is we kind of play chance. Okay, I'm going to just throw this prayer out and hopefully it catches and now I'm going to start God's able to do something in my life. It's a wrong wrong understanding on this and i'm just playing by chance and sometimes what happens oh it worked it worked so we're going to just keep trying that same way and god in his mercy is trying to get stuff to us he's trying to send you the answers he's trying to get it to you but we have to cooperate with him and that's why it's vital that we understand faith now here the other side of it too is not just playing chance but you and i are not called to rely on somebody else's faith Thank God you can, yeah, you can. I mean, I, you, I've used my faith for my children, and especially when those that are young in the Lord, when they first accept Jesus, yeah, you can use your faith to, you know, get, help get things towards them, that they can receive it and see it. You, of course you can do that. But there comes a time where you are have your own faith, and it needs to be developed on your own. You have to develop your own relationship with God. You've got to spend your own time in the Word because we can't just do it all for everybody. You've got to do it on your own because there again, what the Bible tells us, there is no mediator between you and God except for the one man, Jesus Christ. I do not stand in the gap between you and God. I can't just pray, God, you know, I'm praying for them. I'm just asking it to come. And you know, God in His mercy, it, it can work sometimes, but you know, God wants you to develop a relationship with Him so that you can start receiving from Him on a regular basis. So we got to understand this faith. It's time to grow up. Huh. Pull up our spiritual pants and let's, let's do this thing, right? Faith is powerful. Faith, in, but the Bible says it moves mountains. It changes circumstances. It's powerful. It's a tangible force. God created the entire universe with faith. So man, I got it. Say, I got it. It's, it's powerful, right? Okay. So let's just keep faith simple. Faith now, going into this, go to Mark chapter 9. Talking about faith, understanding faith. Faith is simple. Can we just say that? Faith is simple. It is not complicated. It's not hard to understand. It's not hard to operate in. Faith is simple. And here it is. Faith is a choice. Because what is faith? Faith, you know, just simply means you are persuaded. You make a choice to believe. Anybody ever heard said, or you said it before, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I can believe that. Anybody ever heard that said, or you maybe even said it yourself. Is that actually a true statement? No, it's not. You chose not to believe that. doesn't change that it's true. The decision really is up to you, right? So Mark chapter 9, this gives a, a really great example. Of, I want you just to see how God works with people. And this is a fantastic illustration right here. Mark chapter 9. So this is right after Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration. He comes down off that mountain. And this is when they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. I'm going to read it from my Bible just so I'm not awkward in reading. Uh, Mark 9, what verse am I at? 17, okay. It says this, One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son to you so you could heal him. 
He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk, and whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Now, again, I want you just to understand the situation. This is serious, right? I mean, if for you parents, you have to see a, a, your young boy at this time. Now he's, this evil spirit comes on him and it's trying to kill him. It's just, it's, it's, it takes possession of him. And as we see it here too, when they, they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus and threw the child into violent convulsion, like this, this, for all this man's life, this father's life, he is wondering, okay, I've got to make sure, is my son okay? Is he sleeping okay? Anybody see my boy? Because anytime he left alone, who knows? Is he being drowned in the water? Is he being thrown into a fire? This is a big deal for this father. This is, this is real life stuff. And how about you? But I've been in encounters with people like this who are just hurting and struggling and they need answers now. They need this stuff. I'm so glad Jesus didn't go, oh, that's, well, that's too bad. I guess you're going to have to hang on to this a little bit. No, <laughs> this is not it at all. So then notice this when, again, the evil spirit saw Jesus. It threw the child in a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground and he was writhing. My wife corrected me last night and foaming at the mouth. How long? Now notice this right after that. What would most Christians do after all of a sudden they are having a conversation and some demonic activity takes place right in front of them. What would they do? Emergency tongues. You start laying hands and you start doing all these things. Now again, we live by believing faith, not by sight. So everything that we read, Jesus is a perfect example of it. Right? All of a sudden when this kid falls on the ground, Jesus goes, oh my God, what is this? He doesn't start speaking in tongues. What does he do? Come on, what does he do? <laughs> he asks a question. Jesus, I don't think you understand. This is very important that you see this. Jesus, this, this boy is freaking out. He's, he's convulsing. It's a, this is a big problem. How long has the boy had this? I, I want you just to see who's in control. Right away, we go, oh, it's a panic. And right away, when the fear and anxiety tries to set in, according to Mark chapter 4, Right, talk about the seed of the, the parable of the sower. What happens when fear and anxiety come in? It chokes the word. So Jesus, unmoved by what is seen here, asks the question to the father, how long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy father. The father then replied. Now, just I, he's not just saying it. Oh, since he was a little boy. <laughs> since he was a little boy. Like, he's panicking. He's, ah, it's happening again. Like, this is taking place. This is real. Right? Next verse. It says the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. Like, this is serious for this guy. Then he says, have mercy on us and help us if you can. Now notice this. Jesus again, what does he say? What do you mean if I can? Now this is so vital that you and I get this. God, I mean, have you ever prayed that before? God, if you can do something, I know you can. Why don't you do something? Help us if you can. Anybody ever prayed something like that before? You're not raising your hands? Okay, that's, <laughs> I understand. But right here, Jesus asked this question, what do you mean if I can? In other words, of course I can. Is it God's will to help you? No, I, I, this is... We know this and the Christian answer is yes, but have you actually thought about that? Do you believe God's desire is to help you? I mean, really? You're, you're dumbfounded in a situation. God, I need help. Is he going to go, mm, I don't know, you didn't really pray an hour today. I'm not really interested in talking. Is that, you, like, you have to really understand. Religion sets in here thinking, I, I have to earn something in order to get it. I really got to work. I really got it, man. I, I haven't been in church for the last month. Oh, God, I'm, I'm screwing this thing up. And I need this help, God. I really need it. Is he going, well, your church attendance is very bad lately. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Let's not even talk about tithing. Lord me, this is bad news. So you know what? I just hang on to that demon a little longer. I know it sounds funny, but this is where some people actually believe. So he says, what do you mean if I can? Of course I can. Jesus asked him. Now notice what he says next. Anything is possible if a person believes. 
And then he goes on, verse 24. Let's just read this. The father instantly cried out, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And we see what happened. He got the miracle. He got it. And this dad never went to Impact Life Church. He never heard about Impact You or Amazing Bible School. He never went online and did all these classes. This guy was probably illiterate and could even read the scriptures. And all of a sudden, he got his miracle by just simply saying, I believe. Help me. I believe. So the question you need to ask is if you can believe. That's the only question. So let's go back here at verse 23 for a moment. It says this. Again, Jesus asked that question. What do you mean if I can? So the father said in verse 22, if you can help us, if you have mercy on us, help us if you can. The way that the Lord kind of just showed it to me is just, Eric, can you come just stand with me for a moment? I'm going to be Jesus and you're going to be the dad. Okay. All right. So the father, what he did, you're going to be the dad for a moment. So he's basically, hey, Jesus, if you can do anything, help us if you can. And so he's throwing the responsibility for his son on Jesus. Do something. Fix this, Jesus. Jesus, whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean if I can? All things are possible if you believe. Now, don't just think it's no, it's up to you. God is trying to work with the Father to position him because, again, the, Jesus needs access. He needs a point to work alongside the Father. God can't just come into a situation and go, fixed. Because if that were the case, the devil would be in charge and he'd be lighting fires all over the place and God would be chasing him. That is not how this thing works. So the ball is in your court. Say the ball's in my court. The ball is in your court. It, it's, it's yours. It belongs to you. But as long as you keep saying, help us if you can. Jesus, can you do something? What you're doing is you're throwing it to God and God's not going to catch it. This is not my responsibility. God already, this is again, the perspective of faith is this. God has already provided everything you'll ever need on this earth. He's provided for your healing. He's provided for your salvation. He's provided for your deliverance, for your prosperity, for your family. He's already provided it. Faith now is not getting God to move. We need it. Faith doesn't move God. What is faith then? Faith is a receiving from what he's already provided. So rather than just saying, I need to get something from God. No, you need it to be released from what you've already got. You're already possessor of it. So the ball is in your court. But I love the way that Jesus worked with him. He just said, well, well if you can believe, come on, dad, come on, dad. Like, it's, if you can believe, if you can believe anything is possible, if a person believes, he's working with him. He's not shutting him down. He's saying, come on, I need access. I need an access point. And the father yells out. Oh man, that was weak sauce. And the father cried out. I believe. So he's... I'll just I'll do this one more time. What do you mean if I can? Jesus said. Anything is possible if a person believes. I believe. I believe. Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> And the father cried out, I believe. I believe. Help me. Yeah. And at the result, what did the father get? Jesus was able to have them just because he said, Lord, I believe it. I believe it. And at that moment, Jesus turned and he spoke to that demonic spirit. And he, man, he tore a strip off him. You come out of him. And at that moment, everybody thought he was dead. Jesus picked him up and brought him to his father. And voila, there you go. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. But do you see how simple that was? What did he have to do? I believe. And again, it's not a head belief. I, I, I think it's going to work. No, he threw it all. I said, Lord, I, I believe this. I believe you. I trust you. Because remember, the faith that God gave us is not so that we can use it in ourselves. It's not so we can use it in other people. The faith that God gave us is to put right back into him and say, Lord, I believe you. My trust is not in people. We're not told to trust people. You ever read that in the Bible? We're told to love them, not trust them, love them. And I'm a sucker for it. <laughs> My wife will tell me, because I mean, a year ago, we had to try to rent out our house. And uh, man, I had this, this lady, she was just in distress, right? And all of a sudden, we're getting evicted. And, we're and I just adopted four more kids. And it's, I'm like, oh God, like, you need help, woman. I, yeah, like, okay, let's, I said, let's make this thing work. What do, what do you need? What do you need? And so she eventually, she told me she had eight kids. I'm like, Wow, my house was not even going to be big enough for, you know, half of what you got. 
And she said, I don't, man, they're kicking us out of the house. And so me being lovely and so easy to work with and so compassionate and all this, I eventually, naive is what my wife, yeah, okay. That's, <laughs> we'll talk about this later. <laughs> But man, all of a sudden she, and I, I got a little, uh, got a message later from her. Her kids mean cats. <laughs> so no, 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 no. So, sorry, I was like, draw the line there. That is, that is too much. No way. Anyways, they are not in our home and the cats are in a good place. So it's, it's totally fine. Uh, I'm just really nice and I've learned a lesson. I love them but I'm not called to trust them. <laughs> oh, man. So again, just regarding, just if you think of this question, what do you mean if I can? Of course I can. Can you believe? So this just, I, I hope you get this wow factor from it, but God is limited to your belief. He's limited. In Psalm 78, it even talks about how the, the Israel, they limited the Holy One of Israel. God was limited by the Israelites. Just by their belief system, what they said, what they thought. Well, God is limited to what you believe. Does God want to get something to you? Absolutely. But what's holding it back is your belief. If you're even thinking, I have to get something from God, it's a wrong belief system. It has to be renewed by the Word of God. God, according to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, all things that provide unto life and godliness have been given to us by Jesus Christ. You already are a possessor of it. You've got to see yourself this way. You are not trying to get blessed. You are the blessed. You aren't trying to get healed. You are the healed. You're not trying to have favor. You are the favor. And so what's holding this back, again, is just a mentality. How do you see yourself? How do you think? If I'm righteous before God, guess what? I am a possessor of everything heaven has to offer. I got it all. I own it all. I'm going to live the most blessed life. I'm going to have a happy marriage. My kids are going to be strong in God. They're going to be preachers of the gospel all the days of their life. Well, how can you say that you've got to let them choose? They don't have a choice in this matter. If you are part of me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. That is it. And you know where that all came from? My grandparents. They started the whole thing, and we're just now legacies of it. This is who we are. This is what we do. We are here to serve God. And then when you get an understanding of that, I mean, the devil can't bring anything in. If he tries to bring anything in, you attack him. Remember, you can't be Canadian about this. Oh, you know, whatever, God wants, it's okay. No, no, no. We, as Impact Life Church, we are first citizens of heaven. And the violent, they got to take it by force. Or sorry, the righteous, they take it by force. The violent, you got to get violent. But you got to have this mm inside of you. Not just, oh, you know, it's whatever happened. Oh, my, my boy's going to be parallel. Okay, that's just what it is. You got it. Take it. Belongs to you. You are a possessor of it. And the devil is trying to steal it from you. Don't let him. Say, don't let him. You're about to get unstuck. You need it. It's time. All right. Now, let me give you a couple of examples because the ball is in your court. Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 12. Mark chapter 2 and verse 1. And I want to just give you some of these illustrations. I know you've heard these stories. You've seen them before. But I want you to see them with these eyes. Verse 1. It says, When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days after, or later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed that visitors that were sorry, so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So what does faith do? Oh well, I guess it's pretty full. I guess the parking sure stinks around here, I guess I I'm not going to show up today. The parking is atrocious. And did you see somebody took my, somebody sitting in my chair? The worship was just out of whack. I, I just can't, I just can't do this. And oh man, the crepes were a bit hard for my liking. I'm hitting home a little bit, aren't I? All right. <laughs> what does faith do? What does it do? If it's busy, if it's crowded, what does it do? Digs a hole. 
Everybody say, dig a hole. This is the spirit of it. This is the spirit of faith. This is what we're going for. Not just so that we know principles about faith. You catch on to the spirit of it, you will be a different person. So what happened all of a sudden, it's, as we said, it's, it's crowded in the house. Nobody has any access. And I believe these four guys, okay? Now they're just saying, man, this, this paralyzed guy, he is getting healed today. I'm done making him sandwiches and getting his milk. I, I'm done with it. He is getting his healing today. You may ever see that before. And so what did they do? Oh, man, the place is packed. Go, let's go up there. So now they son, they're hoisting a paralyzed man on a roof. Now this would be like hate crime if you did that today. What are you doing to that guy? We're trying to get him healed. I'm carrying him up here. So all of a sudden, like, Jesus is now preaching the word. And if you look at Luke's account of this, Luke chapter 8, it actually says that the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Them who? Them Pharisees. The, pres- the Lord's power was there to heal the Pharisees. But notice, they didn't even tap into it. They got nothing. Who got it? Well, you're going to hear it in a sec. So all of a sudden, this guy with the faith on top of the roof, while Jesus is preaching... What is going on? All of a sudden, oh, you know, light comes shining in. Oh, man, what happens? These, these guys start lowering this paralyzed guy. And, you know, paralyzed guy can't move his arms or anything. <laughs> in front of who? The religious leaders. <laughs> Shoot, this is awkward. Ever felt about being in an awkward spot? Hey, hey. <laughs> just getting healed today. <laughs> So he lays down on this mat, and there he is in front of Jesus, and uh, seeing their faith. Now notice, what did Jesus see? He saw their faith. What is their faith? They are persuaded that Jesus can heal. They're persuaded of it. They don't have any other question about it. Well, I will see. No, they are fully convinced. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Now the religious got to say something. Some of the teachers of religious law were sitting there, thought to themselves, ah, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Ever hear people like that? The spirit of slap wants to come over me once in a while. When you hear somebody like, are you kidding me? Somebody is believing God. They're going to get something. And oh, why does he have to do it like that? Shut up. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your heart? And I just love these three words. Is it easier? So in the mind of God, somebody being forgiven of sin, somebody being healed, one and the same. Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your bed, and walk? (laughs) But he says this, "Um, So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And notice what happened. And the man, now notice who did it. And the man, the man, not God. Okay, I'm going to elevate you. No, the man had to do something. The man jumped up, grabbed his mat. Now I'm going home. And I believe all four of his buddies that were up there going, yeah, make your own sandwich. <laughs> and walked out through the stunned onlookers. The Pharisees are just... And they were all amazed and said, we have never seen anything like this before. Anybody want to see anything that hasn't been done like that before? What's it going to take? Faith, you are going to have to step out. You're going to have men when it doesn't feel comfortable. I'm going to just lift my hands. Well, I'm going to just kneel. Whatever he tells you to do, just do it. Just do it. Here's another great example. Mark chapter 2, or sorry, 5, verse 21. Oh, Jesus. Now we're talking about two people, Jairus and the woman with the issue of blood. It says, Jesus got back into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where there was a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Everywhere Jesus went, people just gathered. Man, they love this guy. Then the leader of the local synagogue whose name was Jairus, arrived, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, and pleading with him fervently, my little daughter is dying, he said, come and lay your hands on her, heal her so she can live. I like other translations actually said, you touch her and she shall live. So what, what is that right here? Faith. 
There's nothing about this, Lord, just come and I'm going to see if this works. No, he is so convinced. I mean, this is a local synagogue guy. When Jesus gets him, where, where is he? Where is he? Okay, there. Hey, you touch my daughter, please come. You touch her, she shall live. He is so convinced that this is going to work. He's totally convinced. When's the last time you've been totally convinced of something? Now, no, I, I know this. I go to him, this is it. Now notice what happens. I, I love this, just these, these four words. Jesus went with him. How do we know it's faith? Because God is pleased with faith. Jesus went with him. So you can see grace is automatically just flowing. It goes right with him. I also love this too, but it also shows me that Jesus actually is not in charge of his ministry. I can pull on him anytime. Any day, anywhere. Jesus, it didn't, didn't say that he had plans to go with Jairus. He just landed and all of a sudden, Jairus is pleading with him. Faith drew him. Yeah, let's go. It just brought him in. So you don't have to be in church for anything to happen. You could be at Walmart and just be, Lord, I believe you. And all of a sudden, get healed in aisle nine. You can go to Tim Hortons and get healed drinking a double-double. It, it works no matter what. Because faith is not just saying, okay, it has to be on Sunday. I think Jesus proved to us that he did any day of the week. Right? Anytime. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. Now, we're going to put a little time out on Jairus. Let's talk about this woman. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had only gotten worse. Now, she had, what? Heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd, and touched his robe, for she said to herself, or she thought to herself, like other translations, she said this to herself, if I can just touch his robe, what will happen? I will. Say, I will. I will be healed. What is this? Faith. Faith shows up all differently. It shows up from digging a hole. It shows up by just saying, Lord, you come, you heal my daughter now. Lord, if I can just touch him, that should be healed. Do you see the attitude behind this? And this woman, if she even dared doing that, she could be stoned. Because legally, she'd have to go around and say, unclean, unclean, unclean. But she just, it says she pressed in to touch his garment. She went all in after it. Now notice this. Right after she touched him, because she was persuaded that this was it, immediately, everybody say immediately. Not five, ten days later. Immediately. The bleeding stopped and she could feel a lot of times christians are looking for the feeling and then the belief will come after that's not how this thing works you become persuaded and the feeling will come after i believe it then i'll feel it i'll believe it then i'll see it not the other way around oh, i'll see it and then i'll believe it that is not how this kingdom works you believe what jesus said then you'll see it right okay she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition verse 30 jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? Now remember, Jesus is going to Jairus' house, right? So he's walking like this, and all of a sudden, he's touched. Who touched me? Who did that? And meanwhile, his disciples, look at this crowd. They're pressing around you. How can you ask, who touched me? But... He kept on looking around to see who had done it because it sparked something. Something left him, right? Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And now notice this. And he said to her daughter, I love that statement because that's covenant. You have a covenant with God. Son, daughter, your, whose faith? Her faith. Everybody say, just say my faith. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Look what faith did. Look what your faith did. It belongs to me. It's my faith. Look what it did. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Now, but of course, we know, we know it's the power of God, but it's your faith that tapped into it. Look what it did. I want you just to see this for a moment. Look what your faith did. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, look what your faith did what you're not going to hell because you believe something and you were bold enough to say i believe it in my heart lord i confess it in my mouth jesus you are my lord at that moment faith was there and now it's on the inside of you 
And he said to her daughter, yeah, okay, next verse. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived, we're picking up Jairus again, arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. Now notice Jesus' response. Jesus overheard, my Bible says it also, ignoring. He overheard, but ignoring them and said to Jairus, do not be afraid. Other translations say, King James says, fear not, believe only. So say that with me. Fear not, believe only. Why fear not? It chokes faith, yeah. But what is fear? Who does it give access to? It gives access to the enemy. Just as much as faith gives access, you give access to God, fear gives access to the enemy. You know, fear and faith are the exact same thing in this sense that they get you to believe in something that has not yet happened. And it has to do with the unseen. And But listen, our, our natural mindsets, automatically we are geared towards fear. You hear your kid is playing in the, in the parking lot. What is the first thought that comes to your mind? Well, some car, some crazy lunatic is driving in that parking lot and he's just, you know, pegging off people with, as pylons. And there he goes, a triple axle, and hopefully he lands it. Like, these thoughts go through your mind automatically. So now we have to retrain our thinking to go with what Jesus said, what the Word says. So this is what Jesus is saying. Again, what is he trying to do? Trying to position him. He's trying to position Jairus. Don't, fear not! This is the only words we see Jesus saying to Jairus. Fear not! Fear not! Give it nothing. Give it no place. Why? Because I need access to you. I need access. He said, believe only. And what did Jairus do? So obviously we see Jesus continue to go forth with him. Verse 37. says, then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John. Uh, 38. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. Again, remember Jairus, this is what's going on. You've heard your daughter is dead from a natural perspective. Jesus says, fear not, believe only. Okay, okay, believe, believe only. Okay, he's God. Jesus, I'm, I believe him, I trust him, I, I got this. He's again, not like, oh, I hope this is going to work. But I want you to see what the enemy's trying to do. He walks back home and what does he see? Commotion, weeping and wailing screaming, oh, she's only 12. How could this happen? And all this is taking place. Imagine the, the, oh, the feelings, the emotions that are trying to take over. Right? Now notice what happened. Verse 39. He went inside and asked them, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. We live by what we believe, not by what we see. Not moved by that. So he went inside the crowd now. After wailing and whining, what did they do? They laughed at him. <laughs> so what did Jesus do? Get out. All of you, get, get out of here. And I believe he did that for Jairus' sake. Get, you know what? There's some people you've got to get out of your life that are not standing and believing with you. Oh yeah, this must be just so difficult for you. I hope that you can just hang on. Forget about it. I need four crazy friends. <laughs> Somebody who will say, no man, I'll take you up on the roof. I'll put you in front of Jesus. Hang on. Not, oh yeah, it's just kind of rough. I hope you're going to make it through. No, I need four crazy friends. And you need four crazy friends. And guess where they are? They're all around here. Because this is a bunch that believes like this. We believe to the point that we are crazy. No, oh. I, sorry, I'm... <laughs> I thought I was in a safe place. Come on, somebody. This is who we are. Might as well believe that. Like you pulled in here so they think that you. that's what you're like. You might as well be like one of us. We believe to the point that we do the crazy. Now, I'm not saying that we just do crazy things. I'm saying that when he tells us to do something, we aren't stopping until we get our answer. And it's not that God's withholding. We ain't stopping. When they say no, guess what? We'll try again. I do not quit until I win. That's the attitude we have to take on. I don't ever lose. Losing sucks. Losers is for losers. Right? crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave. And he took the girl's father and mother and the three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. And holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. Jesus went right into death. And there he goes, right here, 42. And the little girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up, walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. 
What did Jesus need? He needed something to work with. The ball is where? In your court. The ball was in Jairus' court. Does Jesus want? Did he want to do it? Absolutely. Does he want to take care of your needs? Absolutely. But what does he need? He needs your cooperation. Lord, I trust you. I mean, this is one thing. I, I learned this in the financial thing for a little bit. Jamie and I, a little while ago, we went to a conference and we, we just had it in our heart. We wanted to give. And that's what we do. You know, giving is not just a one-time thing. This is a lifestyle. We give. We're sowers. We believe this. And the Lord told us to give. So we, we gave this amount. And uh, in U.S. dollars. So at that time, the exchange rate was out of, out of whack. And then the evening service came again. And they, they just said, you know, we're, we're going to take up another offering. A lot of people go, why does he have to take up another offering? It's not your meeting. It doesn't matter. We just had in our heart, you know what? We got to do it again. Just to prove to ourselves. And you know what? The, the biggest thing, the money is the biggest one. Because if you can't trust God in your finances, you can't trust God to heal you. And that's the absolute truth. Because Jesus called it, Luke chapter 12, he calls the finances the smallest in the kingdom of God. If you can't trust God with the money side of it, how can you trust him for anything? The money is the issue. Because he even said, you either serve me or you serve mammon, the spirit of mammon. Now, I don't know about you because money's not evil. It's whoever gets control of it. If I bought a $100 bill right here, money in itself is nothing. But whoever picks it up, whoever is serving the Lord, I use it for good. But if I'm controlled by the spirit of mammon, I will use that for evil. So again, who are you trusting? This is vital for us. And man, we realize, you said, we're going to just do this again in faith. I felt the prompting on the inside. I said, Jane, we got to do it again. She looked at me and said, yeah, I know, me too. <sighs> so there we go. Hand in hand, we walked up there put it back in there and say, Lord, thank you. We trust you. We're doing this because you told us to. Now, if we go under, it's your fault. <laughs> and the result is we came home about two days later. That money came back to us doubled in the same week. And I just think the Lord's just saying, you know, see, test me in this. Prove to see that if I won't do it. Man, it just opened up my eyes. Lord, I trust you. I completely trust you. Let me encourage you. If money's a big deal to you, you got to trust him. You absolutely have to trust him. Because when you trust him, because listen, if we don't talk about money in the church, the world is telling you what to do with it. And it's just, man, you, you get lost. Let God be the financier of your home. Let him be the one to tell you what to do with it because he loves you. He cares about you. He's trying to get something to us, not trying to take it away from us. Right? We've heard that said, but do you believe that? Right? I know this. So I've been challenged in that way, in a, in a big way. So the question is not, will God, will he? It's, do you believe Okay, last one, just to go over this real quick. Mark chapter 10, verse 46 through 52. Faith receives from God. Faith doesn't move God. I know that's maybe sometimes people have that idea. Faith moves God. No, faith does not move God. Faith receives from God. God has already, because if you think about it, faith moves God, that means that God hasn't done everything yet. God has already done Everything that pertained to life and godliness has been given to you through Jesus. So again, it's just a different angle that you come at it. Rather than I'm trying to get something, no, I already got it. I'm just now going to release it and see it in my life. Right? Okay. Here's Bartimaeus. So when they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd again followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout. What is, why is he shouting? He is believing. Right? You can see it, it comes all different ways. You put a hole in the wall. Right? This guy shouted. The woman touched him. Jairus said, you come and you heal her, she shall live. You can see it's expressed in different ways. Don't put limitations on faith. Faith looks different. It's going to come different ways. Sometimes I remember when, when uh, we, were, we were working on getting pregnant, my mom took Jamie for a run at a conference. And that's, you know, that's very different to see. You know, my mom very was, you know, here I am, proper, gorgeous, this good-looking mom, and all of a sudden she says, grabs my wife, says, let's go for a run. Why? Because these babies are ours. So they were prompted by the Spirit of God to go for a lap. For what? For kids. Well, do you do that every time? No. Now you can't make a doctrine out of that. I want kids, so I'm going to go for a run. It doesn't work that way. It's how does the Lord lead you? And anybody who wants to get pregnant, let's go for a lap. Nobody's going. Okay, we're good the way we are. 
So how does he lead you? So it comes out different types of ways. I remember even dealing with pain in my foot. The Lord told me to go for a run. That sounds stupid. My foot hurts. You want me to go for a run? We live by what we believe, not by what we see. Yeah, I went for a run, so I go for a jog, and all of a sudden I realize. Oh, yeah. This is what I'm talking about. You just go for a little run. And it comes different ways. I was sitting in a meeting one time. It was in Texas. And there I was sitting, and I had sprained my ankle on New Year's Eve. It was, man, horrible. I had all black and blue. It was nasty because I was playing ice hockey at a dugout at the farm. And, uh, I, I mean, it was, it was nighttime, so I went to go stop. And, of course, the dugout is not real smooth ice. Josh, you can work on that for next year. I go to stop. <laughs> Rolled my ankle real bad, and there it flipped over. I can, yeah, you feeling it? Oh, yeah, man, you feel it? And so I went to this meeting about three weeks later. Brother Copeland, I was at his meeting. He stood from the platform and he all of a sudden stopped the service. He says, I see somebody. New Year's Eve, you're playing hockey in a dugout. You sprained your ankle. And yeah, your ligament, it was just black and blue all over. Well, the Lord just told me, you are healed right now. Move your ankle. And all of a sudden, like, and he just said, no, no, stop. You, you're at a dugout. And he said it a few times. You sprained your ankle. Yeah, the, the Lord says your ankle is healed now. So I just... Oh my, Jane, my ankle. (laughs) Oh yeah, it worked. So it comes in all different types of ways. It can come from just hearing the word. I sat there, I was just listening to it. He was ministering on faith. I'm just listening to it, not even thinking about my ankle. And all of a sudden the Lord had a word for me from Brother Copeland on the platform amongst 1,500 people. That's what I'm talking about. So the Lord is trying to get something to you. But what do you believe? So what he did, Bartimaeus, he shouted, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now notice this, be quiet. Shut up. Now there will always be people trying to stump your faith. Why are you running? Why are you kneeling? Why are you lifting your hands? Forget about it, man. Just, I don't, don't need you. So what did, now notice this, be quiet. Many of the people yelled at him. So he's shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet. You bums, stop it. What does he do? Go back a verse, please. But he only shouted louder. When you are convinced, nobody can shut you up. Seriously, we have to have, this is the spirit of faith. Nothing is going to shut me down. Nobody's going to tell me differently. I am getting what I believe. Oh, you're just crazy. Call me crazy. I'm going for it. So what do you do? Son of David! Mercy on me! And what happened? Verse 50, I think it is. Or 49, when Jesus heard him, he stopped. What happened? And said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Now the same guys that said, shut up. Cheer up, now he's calling you. Oh, praise the Hallelujah. This is your day to get healed. What do you got to do with people like that? Just, God bless you. Just bless them, Lord. Just bless them. <laughs> So that you cannot let people hold you down. Don't let what people's opinion of you hold you down. What they think of you or what they don't think of you. It does not matter. If you are convinced that you are getting something from God, go all out in it. I'll run with you. I like, you know what, faith attracts faith. When you see somebody going all out, I'm attracted, I like that. Rather better than just like, well, I'm going to just be pious and judge what you're doing. Man, are you kidding me? This is the kingdom we're talking about. So cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. And they all walked off together with him. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and he came to Jesus. And I love this. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Now, you have to be specific. What do you want? Not just, oh, whatever you want, Lord. No, that you get you nothing. What do you want? Be specific. Be clear. What do you want? Jesus asked, my rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. All right. Jesus said, go for, what does it say? Your faith. Didn't say my power. He said your faith, your persuasion. You didn't give up. Good for you, man. Good on you, man. Your faith has healed you. And what happened? Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Ah, can you see what faith does? It doesn't give up. It doesn't quit. It pushes forward no matter what it looks like. So no matter what you're fighting today, hold on to what he told you to do. 
Hang on to it. If he told you, now the other side of it, if he told you to do something, do it. Because again, you can't just go, oh, I'm believing God for this, I'm believing God for this. If he told you to put some action towards that and you haven't done it, don't expect a miracle. If there's unforgiveness in your heart, it's not going to work. I've just been believing God. Well, if you've been believing God for 10 years, there's something wrong. And it's not on God's end. So we got to figure out, okay, Lord, what is it? Is there, what a part am I missing? And he will graciously show it to you. He will. He's kind. He wants to work alongside you. He's not mad at you. But there's, and we'll talk about this some other time, but there are things that are holding him back from getting access to you. And the last thing I want to say, just as our time is up here, so what do I need to do right now is I need to get into the Word. Again, this is so simple, but we have got to become persuaded of what God has said. I believe it. Say it, I believe it. This is what we do. We got to get back to reading our Word. Get back to reading what does the Bible have to say about my situation. And then the next thing is, after I read it, this is what I've been training myself to do. I'll be reading through the Scriptures, and then I'll just say it out loud. Lord, I choose to believe this. Tell yourself that. This is what I believe. So that when you go out and somebody questions why you believe that, well, this is, why do you believe the way you believe? I, I believe it because this is what the Word says. Oh, you're crazy. No, that's just what God said. I believe that. So you have to choose it. So I would encourage you, make it a habit. When you read the Word of God, just say, I believe that. My God, He wants to supply all my needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I've heard that a thousand times. What am I going to continue to do? I believe that. I choose to believe that. And what's going to happen? When you start getting that on the inside of you, it's going to cause you to act different. It's going to cause you to live different. And this is how the just are supposed to live based by what he said. Amen? So then the whole reason why is we want to give God something to work with. So make a quality decision that what God says is my final authority. That, that's the whole it. How many of you believe this book? I believe it. I believe it with all my heart. What he said in here, Lord, I believe this for my life. It changes who I am and it brings things to understanding to me. I, I believe this. Whatever you say in here, Lord, I'm already making up my mind that I choose to believe it. Just so you know, God. And you know what? What happened? That pleases him. What does he go? I got something to work with. Yeah. He gets excited about that because faith receives from him. And remember, grace being the ultimate giver. So get, remember, what is God like? He is doing this constantly, trying to get something to you, trying to get something. He's looking for somebody for faith so that he can get it over. Yeah, 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 there it is, there it is, there it is. There it is, that's attractive. I, okay, I can, I, he's able to release it. He's able to get it. He's able to work with it. That's how he is. That's who our God is. Amen?